regret, remorse, pages and pages of life wasted and gone. But your story isn't finished yet. There's still time for edits and cuts. But before you start doing the right things, sometimes you need to stop doing the wrong things. My story, I decided to stop. Good morning, everybody. You guys doing all right out there? All right, it's what I like to hear. My name's Austin. I'm the pastor here at our North Raleigh location. And this morning, we're going to continue a teaching series that we've called My Story. It's just something about us, something about people that we love a good story. Anybody love a good story? Everybody loves a good story. It's why we buy books. That's why we have Netflix. It's why we go pay tons of money for overpriced popcorn and watch movies. We all love a good story. And here's what I really believe. We all love a good story because we all want a really good story. Anybody agree with that? It's the reason that fishermen, their fish are always about 12 feet longer than they actually were. It's why the football star, when you're talking about that touchdown, you ran about 50 yards longer than were left in the field. It's why we tell our stories, because we long deeply inside of each and every one of us. We have this longing to live a great story, to know that our days add up to something that matters. And through this whole series, what we've been talking about is how the decisions that we make, one after another, after another, after another, ultimately write the pages of the story that your life will tell and the story that my life will tell. And really what we've been talking about is this. Everyone has a story, but some people have a story worth telling. And I think for all of us, we would say, I want to be one of those people. The difference between a bad story and a good story, or a good story and a great story, ultimately boiled down at the end of the day to the decisions that we make along the way. And so last week, we introduced a big idea that will drive the entire discussion that we have during this series, and it says this, that today's decisions write tomorrow's story. Today's decisions write tomorrow's story. Ultimately, your life and my life is a series of cause and affect reactions. And what we do today will impact the story that we tell tomorrow. It ultimately boils down to our decision. So last week what we looked at is this, to tell a better story, to live lives that tell better stories. Sometimes we have to make the decision to start doing some things. We start finding help. We start seeing a counselor. We start making a budget. We start doing any number of things. Maybe it's exercise or cutting out time in the morning to spend time with God and to pray. Maybe it's for you the decision to start going to a small group so you have accountability in your life or to start a class like Financial Peace University. What we really looked at last week is how some of the decisions to start seemingly small or inconsequential things over a period of time add up to significant life change. I would even go so far as to say this, over the course of your life, it will be the small decisions that you repeat again and again and again that affect the trajectory of your story more than the single large ones that you make from time to time. Our small decisions to start have a massive impact on our lives. And again, our big idea holds true that today's decisions write tomorrow's 
story. I learned this lesson really the hard way in high school. I'll just give you the date. It was December 2nd, 1999, a day that will live in infamy in my life. I went to the bus stop. It was my birthday, if you want to know. Anybody want to write me a card December 2nd? You can put that down there, you know, if you want to do that, that's totally fine. December 2nd, 1999 was the very first birthday I spent in the state of Florida. Up until that time, I'd spent the last 10 years growing up with my best friends in Kentucky. I was not happy about my parents moving us from one state to another. I had a girlfriend. We were doing the long distance thing. Any parents endured a child whose kids did the long distance thing? You will get an extra halo in heaven, I promise. I was not good to my parents during that time. And so we moved. I wake up, and it was the first birthday I'd spent in a decade that a tradition um, had kind of fizzled out. And the tradition was this. When my friends and I were growing up, on our birthdays, we'd sneak out without telling our parents, and we would go to the store, and we would find the raciest birthday card we could find and never tell anybody, and we would give it to our friends on our birthday. We'd all blush. We'd throw them away before our parents found them. And for the first time, I woke up that morning. I go to the bus stop, and there was not a single person who knew that it was my birthday. For the first time, I went, and there was no weird birthday card in my hand, and I was in a horrible mood. No one did anything to me. Nothing was going wrong. I was just on the wrong side of the bed. And there were these two twin girls that were there all the time. And they always seemed to have a chip on their shoulder. And I didn't like them. And they didn't like me. And they were smoking. And so I had all the righteous, you know, self-righteousness of a 15, 16-year-old. And we started grumbling with each other, back and forth, back and forth. And I remember not really caring, but I just wanted to pick a fight. And I said, you know, if you want to kill yourself with that stuff, that's fine. Go smoke at somebody else's bus stop. I don't want to deal with it. We kept arguing and kept arguing, and finally, finally, I decided I was going to win, and so I called them a name, a name that since I've met Jesus, I'm not going to tell you what that name was, but I called them a name, and we'll just say for our conversation today that I called them an angel, all right? So they were an angel that morning, and so I said, you're an angel, and they got on the bus, and I thought the thing was over, and I went back to Grump all by myself in the back of the bus on my birthday. Nobody knew what was going on, and I thought the story was over, but it was a better story than that, maybe. Um, so we start driving a little ways down towards the next bus stop, and I hear this voice standing right here. It was one of the angels, and she said, what did you call me? And I thought, oh, no. And I turned around to look at this girl. She didn't wait for my response. At that time, she rolled up her fist uh, like a boxer and punched me right in the mouth. <laughs> now, I knew a few things from life. I knew, one, you can't hit a girl, and two, I deserved it. And so I just kind of hung my head and thought, okay, well, this is going to be the worst birthday I have ever had in my life. And so I sat in shame while the bus rolled on. And I thought, yet again, this story is finally over. But it wasn't. <laughs> Next, there was another voice. It was not one of the angels. It was a very low, deep ominous voice. The guy's name was Ben. Ben was friends with the angels. And uh, Ben said, uh, excuse me, what did you call my friend? Now you got to know, you got to understand this. Ben was more of a building and less of a man. He was approximately five stories tall. There were rumors all over town that he had eaten whole you know, people, whatever. He had arms like a professional wrestler. He was terrifying. He had a beard since he was like five years old. And this guy in this moment says, what did you call my friend? And I started pondering the meaning of life, you know, like what's it all about? 
you know, am I going to survive this? And at 15 years old, I figured something out. There is no way that I'm going to get to school between here and there without getting punched again by this giant monstrosity of a man. And so I asked myself the question that we all have to ask ourselves from time to time. What kind of story do I want to tell? If I'm going to get punched by a girl and this giant zoo creature over here, what's going to go down? And so I thought to myself, I at least want to die with a good story. And so I looked at him and I said, well, I called them an angel and you're one too. And at that point I closed my eyes and I waited to meet my maker. Let me tell you what, it hurt bad, 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 bad. Then the story was over. And I remember that day uh, coming directly in contact with a decision that we've all had to make at some point in time or another. At times in our lives, we have to make the decision not to start. We have to make a decision to stop, to stop doing something. I knew that day in that moment after the second punch was thrown that if I didn't stop calling people angels, I might not have any more story to tell. I could die that very day. And for all of us, there are things in our lives when we look in deep, when we zoom out a little bit, or maybe you've had someone else speak in to your story, it becomes very obvious if we don't stop, if I don't stop doing this thing, if I don't stop going in this direction, I may actually tell a story that I'm not proud of. See, today's decisions write tomorrow's story. And last week, we looked at the things we need to start doing to tell the right story. But I want to suggest to us today that for most of us, we don't have to look very long to point out and identify the things in our lives that are blockades to the story God wants to tell through us. It doesn't take long for most of us to look into our own lives and kind of run our own narrator in the back of our heads and say things like this. If I keep doing that, or if I keep going down this path, if I don't finally call it quits, my life is going to arrive at a place where my story is eventually gonna tell a tale that I don't wanna wind up at, that I don't want to tell. Maybe for you, it's something as simple as a bad habit, or maybe it's more serious, like an addiction. Maybe you have a tendency to tear people down when you get angry, or maybe you hide from conflict rather than confront it. Maybe you've got this reaction inside of you that when life falls apart, you tend to overeat, and your doctor and your family and your friends have told you if you keep making that decision, it's going to ruin your life. Maybe it's your overspending that is ruining your financial future. Whatever it is, all of us have it. I know that there are things in your life that are watering down or altogether blocking the story God wants to tell, and there are things in my life that if left unchecked, They will ruin a better story. See, we all have them. And for some of us, they're obstacles, things that we have to work around. Others of us, the things in our lives are outright barriers. They're blockades. They are walls keeping us from the story God wants to tell. And I believe it is vital that you and I identify the things in our lives, not only that we need to start doing, that's important, but also the things that God would whisper in our ear this morning that we would stop doing so that he can tell a better story. See, today's decisions, specifically the decision to stop, today's decisions write tomorrow's story. And here's why we're talking about this. This isn't like a morality lesson. This isn't a guilt thing. We've all got them. We're all there. The reason we're talking about this is, is simple. God 
wants to tell his story through your life. God created you. He put you together exactly how you are. He has been dreaming and planning and hoping for your days since long before you were ever born. God desires to tell his story through your life, but oftentimes to tell that kind of a story, something has to go so that a better story can be told. The good news is this, that you're not alone. Matter of fact, you've got a room full of allies right here all of which walking down the same path from the very beginning of time. This has been part of humanity. God has been pulling things out of our lives so that he can do better things through our lives all throughout the Bible. The people that we retell in Sunday schools or the things that you heard as a child or the people we talk about here on stage, you can watch their lives as they're written in scripture and you can find time and time again, God reached in and said, hey, I love what you're doing over here, but that's got to go. So know this, you're not alone. One of those people we read about in the Bible is a man by the name of Moses. You may have heard about Moses. He had a sweet beard in like every movie that he's ever been in. He carried a big stick. He used that big stick, threw it on the ground, turned it into a snake, pretty sweet gig. He also used that stick to like part waters, okay? If you've seen Bruce Almighty, he did it with coffee, uh, big deal. He, he was the guy that held the Ten Commandments and he rode a flying camel, Camel parts fake, but it would have been cool. Um, This is Moses. And what we find is Moses came up against the same decision that you have to make today, the same decision that I have to make today. He came to a point in time where if he didn't decide to stop, it was going to wreck his life. What we find is that God telling his story through Moses' life ultimately gave Moses a humongous amount of responsibility. Moses' job was this. He had to lead hundreds of thousands of slaves out of the most powerful nation in all of the world and let them wander through the desert, giving them hope, giving them direction, and get them ultimately to a new place where they were no longer enslaved, but they were free men. Not just physically, but also mentally, not just in action, but in in their hearts. This was a big job. And, And Moses, while he did a good job at it, Moses wasn't perfect. And the weight of that responsibility almost took Moses out of the game. Fortunately, Moses had a great father in law, a man named Jethro, and and we see for a few verses here the advice that Jethro gives Moses. Check this out. Exodus eighteen Verses 13 through 16, it says this. The next day, they're out in the desert, by the way. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. And they waited before him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked. Now, he didn't ask him how he was so smart. He didn't ask him how he got so cool. He didn't ask him why he was so popular. He asked this, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all of this alone while everyone stands around you from morning until evening? So Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me and I am the one who settles the cases between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and I give him his instructions. Moses felt pretty important. But here's the deal. Moses, like us, saw his problem in a unique lens. He saw them a little differently than reality may have lent itself to. Moses saw his problems a little more like pets. See, about 13 years ago, before Ashley and I got married, I got the bright idea to go get a pet. 
I was going to go get a dog. And so I called my dad. We were on our way to go pick up the dog. And I said, hey, dad, good news. I'm getting a dog. And he said, son, you need to stop, pull over, and turn around right now. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, son, do you, do you know that dogs live like as long as children? They stay in your house. They eat your stuff. They shed everywhere. They will ruin your carpet multiple times over. They eat things. They ruin stuff. They're expensive. They want to get their teeth cleaned, and they have vet bills, and you don't know what you're getting into. You think you're getting a pet. What you're getting is a problem. Now, like every other hard lesson I've learned in life, I did not listen to my dad. I kept going. I bought the dog. He has outlasted the amount of time that we've been married. We have a two-year-old. This dog is almost about to go to college. Like, It's ridiculous. Not only did I do that, but I got a second dog the next year because I thought that pet or problem needed a friend to hang out with. Sometimes problems are like that. And what Moses thought was a pet, his influence, his prestige, his wisdom, it was really just a problem in disguise. See, the biggest obstacles to our stories sometimes, the story God wants to tell through our lives, feel a whole lot more like pets than they do like problems. They seem comfortable. They soothe us from time to time. They make our lives feel familiar. They add some predictability to it. But at the end of the day, they become barriers to something better. They may allow life to seem consistent, or they may give us some control over elements in our lives, but they're still problems. See, that's what Moses was doing in this moment. That's what Jethro saw in his son-in-law. Should one guy ever make all the decisions for hundreds of thousands of people? No, it's a terrible plan. Was it even healthy to give it a shot? Not at all. Was it halting progress for Moses? You better believe it. Was it halting progress for every single man, woman, and child that he led? Yes. So why did he do it? Because his leadership, while it was big and God had blessed him, felt like a pet, but it had become a problem. See, Moses got to feel the rush of control. You know what it's like to make every decision? It's pretty sweet for a while because you get to agree with every decision. That's what Moses was doing. It also gave him some comfort. It's always, always, always to keep doing the things that we shouldn't do, more comfortable to do those things than it is to stop and do something different. It is not comfortable to change habits. It is not comfortable to make a shift in our life. It is not comfortable to turn around and go another direction. Sometimes the easiest thing to do is the bad thing we've always been doing. But that doesn't mean it's not an obstacle, a barrier, or a blockade to the story God wants to tell in our lives. See, comfort and simplicity didn't provide the best story for Moses. It didn't provide the best story for those people. And it doesn't always provide the best story in your life or my life. And when it comes to things that we need to stop, sometimes we need to step back and make a better decision. Why? It's just like our big idea says, today's decisions write tomorrow's story, and they may be inconvenient, they may be uncomfortable, but they'll change the course of your story. See, Moses calling all the shots wasn't a sustainable decision. That's exactly what Jethro begins to tell his son-in-law. Check this out, beginning of verse 17. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out. And the people too, this job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle by yourself. So he says this, select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 
50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you and let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. And check out this last part. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then then you will be able to endure the pressures and all of these people will go home in peace. He says this, look, there's a decision before you. And if, see, every decision comes with an if. If you make the right decision, then people will ultimately get to where they need to go. If you make the right decision, then you will tell the story you want to tell. If you make the decision to stop, then you can later make the decision to start something better. If you go this way, that's where you'll wind up. But if you go that way, that's where you'll wind up. Get this, Moses' father-in-law says this, if you actually want to take these slaves and make them free people, if you ever want to get out of the desert, if you ever want to lead them to freedom, if you ever want to see God's promises fulfilled in their life, it's not going to begin with you starting something. You're going to have to make a decision to stop. Stop doing what you've always done. Stop doing everything on your own. Start letting other people help you. And the question Moses had to wrestle to the ground is the same question that I want you to ask yourself right now. If I keep doing what I'm doing, will I get to where I want to be in life? Think about that. You already know the thing God's talking to you about. If you keep doing it, is your life ever going to tell the story that God wants to tell through you? Will you ever look back and go, man, I lived life exactly how I needed to. I finally did what God was calling me to do. And if the answer is no, today is the day where you cry out to God and you go, you know what? Help me. I need to stop. Andy Stanley calls this idea the principle of the path. He says this, it's direction, not intention, that determines destination. See, it doesn't matter how badly you want to tell one kind of a story. If you don't make the right decisions along the way to tell that story, you are never going to tell it. Your best hopes and your best well wishes will never get you there. It won't work for me either. It's the direction you point your life in. It's the decisions you make along the way that will ultimately determine the destination or the story that you tell. See, it doesn't matter if we intend to do one thing, if we don't make the practical decisions it takes to support that desire. Maybe today you want to retire. I think we all do. If you don't learn to stop spending so much so that you have room to start saving, you will never retire. You will work until you cannot work anymore. We all desire to avoid some of the things that we've seen in our family. We can all point to something. Maybe for you today, you want to make a decision to stop living out the bad health habits of your family so you can avoid that. Maybe you need to stop overeating, stop smoking, stop drinking like a fish. And you can avoid some of the things that maybe your parents or grandparents or siblings have already lived out before you, but you have to make a decision. Maybe your intention is this, to begin elevating your family instead of work. But to do that, you know what it's going to take? You have to stop worshiping your ambition. You have to stop worshiping your own income. You may have to stop worshiping status or stuff so you can start choosing to honor your family, your spouse, your kids, your relatives. Maybe you have to start choosing to cheat work instead of cheating your family. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a more um, spiritual decision. Maybe you've been wrestling with this idea of giving over control to God for a long time. 
You've wanted a relationship with him. You've wanted this forgiveness from him. You've wanted someone else to be able to take responsibility for your life. And for years now, you've tried calling the shots. You've tried leading the way. You've tried providing for yourself again and again and again, and it fails. And maybe the decision you need to make today is to stop trying to be God. One of the things we read about all throughout Scripture is there is one God. That's a role he shares with no one. And when we step in, we will always be disappointed at how well we perform trying to imitate God. And maybe today for you, you need to go, God, I want to stop trying to be you, and I need to start letting you be the God of my life. Man, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'll be hanging out up front as soon as the service is over. And that is a decision to stop that allow you to start doing so many other things. Hebrews 12.1 says it this way, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You could say this, let us live into the story God wants to write through us. But for you to live out a better story, we'll begin with a decision. Maybe today that decision is to stop. I don't know what it is. I don't know your life. I'm not reading your email. But you do. And here's what I want you to know. You're not alone in it. Not just have there been other people that have come behind you, but that God can actually help you do what you cannot do on your own. God can step in as God. It's the perk of being God and help you stop what you failed at stopping on your own before. He wants to do that for you so a better story, his story can be told through your life. The difference between a good story and a great story might be one decision away. Because today's decisions write tomorrow's story. So I want to take a moment and I, I want to give you an opportunity to ask God to help to make a decision to stop. And I want to pray for you as you pray for you as well, that today will be the day when everything changes. Today will be the day where God writes a new story because you made a decision to stop. Let's pray. God, I thank you. My life should be a wreck, but you have intervened and you have shown me grace and you have shown me forgiveness again and again and again. God, there is no one like you no one who pardons sin, no one who overlooks wrongdoing, no one who has mercy like you have mercy. And God, to think that you not only forgive us, but you help us stop the things we're struggling and failing to stop on our own. God, there's no one who can do that. We've failed at doing that. And so I pray for myself and I pray for my friends here in this church. Not one of us here are perfect and we need you. And so, God, I ask right now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us in ways maybe that we have never experienced in our life, that you would take up residence within us and you would give us the self-discipline, you would give us the strength, you would give us freedom. God, you promised where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so today, would you give us that freedom and enable us to live free from these things that you've been calling us to stop. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be about just being better people, but God, it would be about you now telling a better story through our lives. I pray, God, that you would use the future ahead of us to make your name famous and cause us to fall more and more in love with you. Amen.